You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. Hello, Colts fans, and welcome to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. My name is Joe Hopkins. With me is Matt Adams. And for four of the last five weeks, we have had a melancholy show here because the Colts have dropped another one, a 31-17 loss to the Tennessee Titans, something Colts fans are not used to after the last few years (laughs) and the dominance that the Colts have displayed over the Titans. Um, But we got eight stats that really stood out to me that told the story of this game. And we can just dive right into it. Number one, Jacoby Brissett has his first multi-interception game of the season. Uh, He finished with a stat line of 25 of 40 passing for 319 yards, one touchdown, two picks. He was also sacked three times for 10 yards. Um, Those interceptions, they were both bad ones. We've seen times where there's just a tipped ball or a receiver doesn't run the right route. These were just 100%. Jacoby Brissett making poor decisions. Both came in the second half. Um, The first one there, Matt, it was in the third quarter. First play of the drive, he just tries to force a pass to Jack Doyle while, you know, the defender is coming down on him. Brissett feeling the pressure. The ball sailed far over Doyle's head. Uh, Never should have been thrown in the first place, and that set up a Tennessee Titans field goal that tied the game at 17. I mean, Joe, both of these interceptions, we'll talk about the the second one a bit, but both these interceptions, neither of those throws had any chance. Uh, I know he's trying to make a play on on the first one here, but he kind of had a guy hanging off of him. He's sort of backpedaling. He's off balance, and you're just going to throw the ball over the middle, and that is very uncharacteristic of Jacoby Brissett. Yeah, th- that's the kind of mistake he's been avoiding all season, kind of the dumb knuckleheaded plays. And Andrew, Andrew Lucky and Bonehead. Yeah, uh, Bonehead. You know, throw that, that Luck always called himself out. You know, for those types of plays, he said that was a bonehead decision. I shouldn't have done it, but he kept doing it. <laughs> but, it but, he would have you know a handful per season of those bonehead plays. But you know, the thing is, um, you always felt like even though Luck would do those things, that if the offense, yeah, okay, say they give up a touchdown or whatever, or they they turn the ball over, you always felt like the the, the Colts had enough playmakers that they would find a way to get into the end zone. Once the Colts let the t- Titans get back in the ball game. Like and they got the ball back. Did you have any confidence at any point in that ball game that the Colts were going to go downfield and score again? No, no, I didn't. Um, you know, I, y- there's at least a hope. You know, because the second came interception came after the blocked field goal for a touchdown. Colts were down a score, twenty four to seventeen, with four forty one left. It's second and ten, and he throws a deep bomb to Pascal into triple, triple coverage. Coverage, no chance on that. No, even if even if Pascal's wide open, there was no one around him. It wouldn't have been completed. It was an inaccurate throw and a poor decision, all in one. And he had a clean pocket on that one. Yeah. Yeah, Which I, it just blows your mind as to why he threw that one. It almost felt like he didn't believe that the team could, you know, go down and drive right. and score. And so, so we needed a big just, play. He was just hoping for the Hail Mary long bomb. And there was plenty of time left to go back and tie that game. So, to, you know, all season we would say, you know, he doesn't make the big plays, but he doesn't make the mistakes. He gives the team the chance to win the game. That was not the case in this game. Very uncharacteristic and something that um, is going to weigh into his evaluation because he's playing for his job in the future, either with the Colts or someone else. Um, the first few games of the season, it kind of looked like, oh, maybe. Maybe they got a little bit of a bargain here for the Colts. They They'll be all right. Somebody. Yeah, and then the last few games, it just appears like, okay, let's uh, maybe it's time to draft somebody. But that that's a discussion for another day. We'll keep moving on. 
Stat number two, Adam Vinatieri has now missed a career-high 14 kicks in a single season. Um, those came in the way of eight field goal attempts and three point-after-touchdown attempts. Uh, I should mention that three— Six point-after-touchdowns. Six, point, point six, yeah. Did yeah. I say eight? Yeah, you said three. Oh, I, I apologize. I no, should no, say no three were blocked. Yeah. Three yeah, of that's, 14 you, you were reading the next were blocked. Stat line, yeah, I got so, a little ahead yeah, of myself yeah. there. Um, in the Titans game, he was just one of four. Um, the first miss came on a 55-yarder. Hard to blame a guy for missing a 55-yarder. Oh, yeah. But it went wide right, and he was attempting a 55-yard field goal because on fourth and one from the Tennessee's 32, Ryan Kelly had a false start, and the Colts then decided not to try and go for so they, it. They were totally going for that fourth and one. Oh, yeah. They weren't you know. just trying to draw them off sides or anything. They were going to go for it on fourth and one. Um, they got backed up to fourth and six, tried the field goal, and uh, that one was no good. The next try, a 53-yarder was blocked, and that, that was just a low kick. I mean, the trajectory was so low, it felt like the defender hardly had to jump on that one. Even if that one got off the line clean, I don't think it would have been on line to you. It, it's hard to tell it being blocked you know, that early yeah, in its yeah. trip there, but it, it didn't look great coming off his foot, um, I got to say. Um, and then he did make a 28-yarder after an 11-play, 80-yard drive stalled. Um, the Colts had first and ten on, first and goal from Tennessee's 10-yard line, yep. and then the first down sack really killed that, that them. That killed when you're in a first and goal to go situation, and especially when you don't have that chance to pick up another first down, you know, because you're at the ten or inside the ten, and you give up a sack there. It just it kills you. I mean, you have to. It takes an exceptional play from you on the offensive side, which we have seen the Colts not been able to do this year, to rebound from that. And they, they just, once you once you had the sack there, you didn't get positive yardage. Uh, that that was done on that scoring drive. Yeah, Brissett was sacked three times on the day, only for 10 yards, but the, that one was certainly costly right there. Um, he did, let's see, and then the very last one that everybody remembers, really the the play The that turning point of the, the, game. the game, and maybe the turning point of the whole season for the Colts here. Yeah, you can make the argument. A uh, 46-yard attempt. Uh, blocked and returned for a touchdown. This put the Titans up 24-17. to 17. Um, The drive stalled once again when the Colts couldn't recover from a Quentin Nelson holding penalty on 1st and 10 from the Tennessee Titans' 28-yard line. Um, really just mistake after mistake. Colts were able to move the ball quite well in this game, but not able to come away with enough points Um you know, the the defender came running cleanly on the right side between Costanzo and Marcus Hunt. Um, after the game, Hunt took the blame. He said, quote, I single-handedly messed it up. I got caught on a guy I wasn't supposed to get caught up on. He just slipped through and got to the kick. Um, special teams have been an issue for the Colts all year, namely the kicking game, but they just continues game after game situation after situation I, I mean and and it seems like the Colts staff is just kind of willing to to ride this out to the end of the season they're not going to make any changes they they never you know did anything they brought in some kickers and auditioned some kickers and I, I can't lay the blame this week completely on Adam Vinatieri I mean a, a 55 yarder is a 50-50 proposition for pretty much any kicker in the league anyway uh, the 53 yard one you got to put on him a little bit because he did kick that one low 
the 46 yarder, I mean, you didn't even give him a chance really to, to get a foot on the ball for the most, you know, to get that yeah. kick out. I mean, the guy basically blocked it with his stomach. Yeah. I mean, that guy was right. I mean, and you never left the inside guy, you know, if an outside guy on a, on a kick gets pressure, then, you know, it's kind of credit to that guy. You can never let that pressure come from the inside like that. Um, but the, the thing is, they're going to look and they're going to say the same things I did here. You know, oh, you can't really put this on Adam Vinatieri. But the pro- pro- problem is the kicking game's been this way all season long from, from the first and second games of the season. They never really made any change, any type of changes to the kicking game. And, you know, this is kind of the, the result now. This They've lost probably four games this year due to problems with field goal kicking. And that was a position that, I mean, I know the running joke for the podcast is that you can't stand Adam Vinatieri, but you, you thought that for the most part, even though he's coming back, they're going to be solid in the kicking game. It's not going to yeah. be something you're going to have yeah. to worry about. And the unit's losing them games, and they don't make any changes. They don't get rid of Vinatieri. They don't cut him. Um, you know, they talk about accountability, but not necessarily in this particular venue. And then, I mean, what do you do? Do you, do you get rid of a – do you fire the special teams coordinator? I mean, don't you have to make some sort of move now and, and ki- quit with this, oh, well, this was just an isolated thing because it's been all season long they've had problems in the kicking game. It's been all season. I, I think the thing is, you know, they've had try, you know, brought people in to try them out on multiple occasions, and there's just not a lot of better options out there. You look at the Patriots, and they just had to bring somebody in because yeah. their backup kicker. Who, who's better that's out hurt. there? Yeah, you know. exactly. Um, yesterday, I, I apologize. Um, last week, I was talking about the Falcons kicker is Young Hueku, not Young Hoku. Oh, <laughs> my mispronunciation, but. He even missed a couple kicks Thursday night after looking pretty good in the previous games for the Falcons. So it's just it's not easy to kick in the NFL. Not very many players can do it consistently. And the fact that Vinatieri has for a long time is credit to him. But it looks like it's coming to an end, and it's an ugly end here in you know his forty forty six year old uh, Hall of Fame career. So I mean, it's just it's kind of like. It goes back to like when the Colts offense came out at the end of that that game. You're like, do you have any faith that this team can get down the field and score when they when they need to? And when you had luck under center, you would think, oh yeah, they're going to go yeah. down the field and they're going to score. You don't feel that way with Brissett. Sort of when they when they've been trotting Adam Vinatieri out this this season, it's like you almost don't want to see them come and attempt a field goal because it's been disastrous this year. That that was kind of the feeling, you know, when they were setting up to kick is, oh boy, is Adam, you know, is it going to happen again? And then even worse, it was blocked and returned for a touchdown. So not only, you know, okay, he misses it, it's 17-17, the defense has played right. well. It, it's just a huge play on Tennessee's part and really swung the entire game. Um, but, you know, games are not won and lost on one play. The Colts over their final six possessions. Did and- nothing. Yeah, absolutely nothing. Zero points on their final six possessions. Um, those possessions resulted in two interceptions, a lost fumble, a blocked field goal, and two punts. Um, really could not have played worse fourth quarter football. And that's something the team preaches is finishing games. And they weren't able to do that for the second week in a row. Uh, another stat that I found very interesting, running back Jonathan Williams had zero touches in the second half. Um for the game, he had eight carries for just 14 yards, one catch for 11. He appeared to be healthy. He had his helmet on. He looked like he was ready to go. This is a situation where you're wondering maybe he's in the doghouse. Maybe he's not reading his block incorrectly, and the Colts decided to just keep him on the sideline. 
but he had 43 touches in the Colts' previous two games, back-to-back 100-yard games, you know, 29 touches against Houston. It's really just kind of perplexing that they would just go away from him like that. Um, but they, they did. They really just replaced him with Jordan Wilkins. He came in, stole Williams' role, led the backfield with 44% of the snaps. Uh, Williams finished with just 22%. Hines, you know, played a fair amount as well. He played 43% and played played a good game. Um, it was a season-high 13 touches for Jordan Wilkins, who played solid. He had 47 uh, yards on 11 carries, also had a couple catches for nine yards. But what do you think about the Colts just all of a sudden abandoning, abandoning Jonathan Williams because the running game really wasn't there for them? I mean, they had... Yeah, it, eighty it, some yards yeah. for the game. It, it wasn't. It, it sort of has been feast or famine for the most part on the run game. You know, they'll go out and they'll do two hundred sixty yards or one hundred seventy yards, and then the next week, you know, they barely break a hundred or whatever. This is one of those games. I, I know that the Titans, you know, they they're pretty stout, um, and the Colts couldn't find a whole lot of, of running room. And I, I suspect with Williams that it had you know he had a ten yard carry, but. He ended up with only eight carries for 14 yards, which is an average of 1.8. So, but he'd been so productive the last couple of games, I guess I would have figured that they would just kind of have stuck with it. But then they just went ahead and, like you said, let Jordan Wilkins kind of dominate the running game from that point forward. It was odd to me. Just, just you know, based on the fact that you, you have a guy, and it's, it's rare anymore to have a guy who runs a hunt for 100 yards anymore in an in NFL game. You had a guy do it in back-to-back weeks, and then you just got him standing over on the sidelines. Now, it could be, you know, maybe we have to take a look back at things. Maybe they felt like he missed some blitz pickups or something like that. Maybe they felt like uh, Wilkins and Hines are better in that role than Williams, and maybe they were losing something by having him in there in, in that. But, yeah, it, it was it was odd, I thought. Yeah, definitely going to be interesting to see what they do going forward, see, you know, you got to figure Marlon Mack might miss another game, if not two. So the Colts are going to be with this committee for a little while as they try to revive their season. Uh, stat number five I got here for you. Colts had more penalties than Titans, and that has not been the case very often that the Colts have had more penalties than their opponents. Um, the Colts were penalized six times for 40 yards. The Titans were penalized just three times for 33 yards. Um, only the third time all season the Colts have had more penalties than their opponents. Those two other games were Denver, which the Colts ended up squeaking out at the end, and the other Tennessee game in Week 2. So Tennessee, a very sound team, and uh, made far less mistakes than Indianapolis did. We talked about a few of those penalties um, earlier that kind of caused drives to stall out. They felt It feels like when the, when the Colts have penalties... And this is with, I guess you could say with every team, but it just felt like they were big deals when they had them, like the false start. You know, you go from fourth and one, probably going for that, and instead you miss a 55-yard kick uh, field goal attempt. Um, You know, you had the holding penalty on Nelson, and that stalls a drive. So when they, they only had six of them. Yeah. And And only had 40 40 yards. 40 yards isn't a ton, but it's... It's not that... Bad three for thirty three for the Tex for the Titans is you know that's where you probably want to be if you have to have any penalties, but they when they hit them they were opportune inopportune moments especially on the offensive side of the ball and an offense that we've talked about all season cannot afford to make a lot of mistakes. Yeah, yeah, they can't afford to 
you know, get behind in the down and distance because they've shown that they've lacked the firepower to be able to make up for it. Um, Stat number six I got here. The Colts' streak of 29 straight games without allowing a 100-yard rusher has ended. Derrick Henry is a beast. Mm. He rumbled for 149 yards and a touchdown on 26 carries. I mean, there was times where he just could not be brought down. I mean, he's a large man. Once he gets a full-headed steam going... He's got the speed. He's got the momentum. It, it's tough to bring him down, and he scored the touchdown on fourth and one, I believe. Yep. He had another long run where credit to Malik Hooker for getting him down because how many times have you seen Derrick Henry in the open field one on one? Yeah, with the defender? I, th- I thought he. I thought he was. I thought he was toast. I thought he was gone, and he went for the legs as he should because you're not gonna. You know, you try to arm tackle him from up top, and you can just. He's just gonna. You're gonna bounce yeah, right off gonna, him. You're gonna get a glove in your face there. Um, so, you know what, Derrick Henry played a good game aside from the fumble at the very beginning and he made the Colts pay. Um, another stat here, stat number seven, 17 of the Titans, 31 points came off Colts offensive blunders. Um, the field goal off of Brissett's first interception, they got a touchdown off the blocked field goal attempt and then a 40 yard touchdown pass to ice the game after Brissett's second interception. Those were really killers. Um, and then, you know, the the fumble that the Colts had, Ross Travis was at the end of the game, was kind of out of reach anyway. So the Titans didn't really even try to do much with that. But, I mean, overall, I would say the defense played a good game. This game was 100% on the offense, and offensive mistakes cost the Colts big. And a, a lot of the points the Colts gave up were because the offense put the defense in bad situations. And in, in most, of the, most of the time, the, the defense did a pretty good job with that, uh, you know, because Jacoby's first uh, interception put set them up in good field position. Uh, and the defense held to a field goal in that one. Uh, probably the, the big one is then it just kind of feel, feels like systems failing um, at the most inopportune moments. They had them, I believe, in third and ten on that 40-yard touchdown pass that iced the game for them. Yeah, that's um, third down. Third down, and that is, you know, where's where's the pressure? Where's your guys' ability to make a play? And, I mean, it is a good throw and catch from, from Tannehill, but, man, you just you feel like when you got a team in third and ten that you can hold them down and, it, you know, that, like you said, iced the game, sealed it for the Titans and just – the, the turnovers, and then, you know, they, they got a couple of turnovers on the defensive side of the ball, and then were not the, – the first one they were able to convert came early, and that led to their first yeah, touchdown. The Derrick Henry fumble on the first right. play, the Jack yep. Doyle touchdown. And and then, you know, they, they got a second strip of Tannehill and didn't do anything with that one. Um, then the other one – I wouldn't call it a controversial call, but it looked like the Colts had the chance to get another turnover in that game – and you know they they said that the the fumble was not recovered in bounds by Clayton Gathers, so that was a tough call. Yeah, that was a tough one. The refs just completely screwed that one up because they called it incomplete. They reviewed it and admitted that it was a fumble, which I thought was pretty clear from the onset. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh yeah. And then not only did they call it a catch and fumble, but then. They set Tennessee up in second and 10 as if it was incomplete. So they didn't even they didn't even get it right after the review if you're going to say he was out of bounds. I didn't see anything clear that showed he was out of bounds. I think if they would have ruled it a fumble on the field, it would have stayed a fumble in Colts' ball. 
Now, according to, to Mike Pereira on the broadcast, because they did follow up with this because the whole thing was really confusing. Uh, they said that the call stood, uh, but that the guy had caught the ball and that there was a fumble, but there was no clear recovery. So since the challenge was on that, was of a fumble with the Colts recovering, in order for them, they can't, they're not going to rule that a catch and then give Tennessee the ball at the yardage where they got the catch. They reviewed the whole play, and since the Colts did not recover that ball in bounds, according to their review, the place on the field stood as called as an incomplete pass. It's God. a very confusing rule. That makes no sense. Just get it right, refs. Just yeah. get it right. If so, you can see that it was a catch, just make the right. I mean, it benefited the Colts that they put them back in second and 10, but it, it, the officiating just continues to be terrible. I feel like I say that every podcast. Yeah, no, no. It, 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 and it was a very confusing situation, and they didn't get followed up on that until several minutes after the play had ended uh, because uh, Pereira seemed to be confused by the whole thing the announcers were confused i was confused as a fan i'm like well if it's a completed pass then why isn't why aren't they getting because i'm like oh look at this in this game the colts have screwed themselves again they challenged the thing and now the titans are going to get the yardage from the pass that the colts challenged as as the, the fumble recovery um they what i guess their contention was too on the the fumble recovery that wasn't a fumble recovery is that gathers sort of double clutched the ball and when he was double-clutching it to get possession of it that second time, he was already out of bounds, or part of him was already touching out of bounds. Thus, he could not have recovered the ball in bounds. Okay. It it was close on the recovery. I mean, he was right on the out-of-bounds line. It It was very close on that one. I just feel, you know, if they had ruled it a fumble, was there enough evidence to have overturned that i don't think that they would have yeah so it's it's a tough one it it just didn't go the colts way but that said you know the colts defense came up with what six sacks i think they had consistent pressure on Tannehill. even a couple of times when he didn't get sacked they got pressure on him and forced him to throw the ball away they got those couple early turnovers and uh even though they didn't come up with the 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 fumble from gathers there or gathers didn't come up with the fumble according to the laws of NFL replay or whatever, um, they still were able to make a play there. So uh, yeah, I wouldn't hang this one too much on the defense. No. Uh, aside from the fact that when they did have a, a real bad moment where they coughed it up, it was where they gagged. It was at the end of the game there on that, that touchdown pass that made it 31-17. to 17. Yeah, yeah. The 40-yarder the was really, you know – a lot of people have been having problems stopping Derrick Henry this season, so I, I can't really say, oh, they shouldn't have let him run all over them. Obviously, you wish they would have done a little better, but really the 40-yarder at the end of the games what iced it. But, um, you know, five of the Colts' season-high six sacks came in the first half, as did both their takeaways. So while the Colts' offense really fell apart in the second half, the Colts' defense slowed down a little bit as well. You know, they didn't quite make as many plays. Um, you know, like I already stated, the Colts offense put them in bad positions. Yeah, they, they had such such but. an efficient and effective offense. They put their defense in such good position all the time. And then you've got Derrick Henry running over you all game now. You start to wear down and then that's when you have then you have a back to you have a turnover like that. Um, changes the field position all quickly, and then you know something like that happens on the defensive side. Yeah, so really, really a heartbreaker for the Colts. This game was one that Indianapolis needed to really stay 
in the thick of things in the playoff hunt. Um, they've now fallen to six and six after starting five and two. Indianapolis, let's see, I'll go ahead and take a look at it here. The Titans are the next team up uh, right outside the wild card while the Steelers got a win Sunday. Uh, they're seven and five. The Bills got a win Thursday. They're nine and three. So Colts really, you know, they're they're really back there as far as trying to get into the wild card position with four games left. Um, some other bad news from the game: it just doesn't stop on the offensive front. Wide receiver Chester Rogers left in the first quarter with a knee injury. He has since been placed on injured reserve, so his season is done. Um, could the wide receiver core get any thinner? I I mean it it can't I I feel it it's one of those things like you wouldn't expect T.Y. Hilton to miss as much time as he has this season. You wouldn't expect that your free agent wide receiver that you brought in your big money guy Funchess is going to get hurt in the first game of the year and then not have that injury heal by the time he could be designated to return. And then, you know, your your second round pick Paris Campbell you you picked him high. You're high on the kid, but you know he had a sports hernia, and then he had a hand injury, and and he was already slowed getting into the you know by injuries in training camp. I felt like the Colts had done enough to bring in some guys on uh, at wide receiver, and none of it panned out. Deion Kane didn't pan out. They released him, uh, and now, like you said, Chester Rogers is hurt. And they just, what they have? They had Zach Pascal, they had Ashton Doolin out there, and Marcus uh, Johnson. Marcus Johnson. And, and that was it on the wide receiving court, right? Yeah. After after Chester Rogers got hurt. Yeah, after Chester Rogers got hurt, that, that that's all they have there. It's really put him in a tough position. Uh, Zach Pascal did have a good game. Oh, yeah. I um, love Pascal. We've, we've been on the pa- Zach Pascal bandwagon this year. Um, I love Pascal. Love the way the guy plays. And I'm glad he had another nice game. It just wasn't enough. He really did. He really ate up that uh, Tennessee zone defense. Seven catches, 109 yards, career highs for him. Um, Got to feel you know solid about him going forward. That if he can be your third or fourth receiver, you got to feel good about that. Um, Jack Doyle had his best game of the season in his first game um, without Eric Ebron. Six catches, 73 yards, and Jacoby Brissett's only touchdown pass. Um, for you know, Brissett's two big mistakes in the second half. He did have the second highest passing yards he's ever had in a game, and that came without T.Y. Hilton, Eric Ebron, Funches, Campbell, even Marlon Mack. You know, because while he's not a prime target, he does take some defensive mm, attention. Yeah, takes some pressure off you. Absolutely. So it, it, you know, and then you talk about the injuries. I'm going to put Andrew Luck in there too, because if it wasn't for his foot injury. You know, in training camp, he'd be playing this year. It's not like this was purely out of nowhere. His injury during, you know, the offseason is what inspired him to go ahead and retire because he was tired of dealing with injuries. So, you know, to lose Andrew Luck, T.Y. Hilton, Marlon Mack, Eric Ebron, then your depth at Funches and Paris Campbell, I mean... It doesn't get much worse than that. The offensive line has stayed healthy, thank God, or else this would be even uglier. But you cannot be struck with more injuries than the Colts have been on the offensive side of the ball. Well, and the thing is, too, I mean, obviously you're going to keep T.Y. Hilton on your active roster and you're going to keep Paris Campbell on your active roster, but that those are two roster spots and you can't add any more guys 
without sacrificing depth at other positions. So you kind of have to go with the guys that you've got. And then Chester Rogers goes out and gets injured. And Rogers go down. You got to keep Marlon Mack on the active yep. roster as well. So that's three players who aren't get you know playing producing for right. you right now, but they're taking up a roster spot. So it's going to be really interesting where the Colts get another receiver from. Uh, maybe around this time they're wishing they still had Deion Kane. But that's a uh, I st- I st- I will go to my grave thinking they gave up too early on Deion Kane. <laughs> I, I tend to agree with you there. Um, on the defensive side of the ball, some of a few individuals who had really good games. The linebackers, Darius Leonard, 11 tackles and two sacks for him. Anthony Walker had 12 tackles. He had a half sack, and he forced the fumble on Derrick Henry on the first play of the game. Right. What you would hope to have been, hoped would have been, like the tone setting play of that game. And for a while it looked like it was because the Colts jumped on, they got up 17 to seven and you know, that was a big, that, that allowed them to get a big early uh, good field position, early touchdown really did. And you know, third quarter Colts have a 17, seven lead. And then Derrick Henry really gets going. The Colts offense just absolutely Sputters. dissolves into dust. It, it, it was pretty pretty awful to watch in a game that I think most most Colts fans felt pretty confident for most of that game because they had played so well in the first yeah. half um, and then just absolutely fell apart. Uh, we'll go ahead and pick offensive and defensive player of the game here so we can feel good about something at <laughs> least. Um, uh, you go ahead and go first this week, Joe. Offensive player, I'm going to go with Zach Paschal. Uh, he, it seemed like every time... Set needed to find somebody. That guy was usually Pascal. Um, and then on the defensive side, I got to go Darius Leonard. I mean, the two sacks, two of the Colts' six sacks and 11 tackles, he just continues to be a machine. Uh, I will go uh, no arguments on either of those. I'll go with Jack Doyle. Uh, it was just nice to see them get him involved in the game early. And then, unfortunately, didn't really do anything late. But that's kind of the offense as a whole. I mean, you can't just put that all on Jack Doyle. And it's, I mean, Pascal didn't do much late in the last part of the game. Really, nobody did. Uh, and then, uh, just for the fact that I, I really like him, I thought he made some really nice plays. Uh, I'm going to go with Anthony Walker for defensive player. Uh, just the early punch out, and he, he had a couple really nice open field tackles as well. Really did. Really did. Um, I thought Bobby Okariki flashed mm-hmm. with the sack yes, fumble. Yes, he did. He's flashed a few times this year. Colts have to feel good about the promising I think they've got something linebacker. in Okariki. I, I know earlier in the season, especially kind of in, in the running game, um, he was kind of getting taken out of plays or maybe might have been a little bit out of position. I think I think some of that stuff, has, has he's learned a yeah. little bit on that. And I yeah. think he's been a, a— As a rookie should. As a rookie should. I, I think— I think next year, especially, um, I really like what I've seen from Okariki, so I hope they stick with him. All right, let's uh, look at this playoff picture in depth now. Raiders at, or I'm sorry, the Ravens at the top at ten and two after the Texans beat the Patriots on Monday Night Football. wasn't really even as close as the final score made it look. The Titans whooped on them. Patriots got a few garbage time touchdowns there late. Um, Texans are third in the playoff picture in the AFC. They are eight and four. The Kansas City Chiefs are also eight and four after beating the Oakland Raiders. Uh, in the wild card, Bills are nine and three. They're all of a sudden just one game behind the Patriots in division mm-hmm. lead. And I believe they play the Patriots. Let's see. They do play them uh, one more time before the end of the year. So that'll be a very interesting game. 
Um, Steelers are in that last wild card <laughs> how, spot. How are the Steelers in that last wild card spot? Credit to Mike Tomlin. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. He keeps. He keeps. You know, they have a terrific defense. Yes, um, yeah, that helps. That helps a lot. Yeah, they play a division with the Bengals. Yeah, and the Browns, they get to, so. to beat up on those guys a couple times a year, so that uh, does help. But still, I mean. We saw the Steelers, that Steelers offense play. It's just not a it's good not unit. Good. Really not good. But you know what? They're better than the Colts right they now. They are better than the Colts. By one game. Um, on the outside looking in, you get the Titans at 7-5, and five, the Raiders at 6-6, six and six, the Indianapolis Colts at 6-6, six and six, and the Cleveland Browns at 7-5 and five as well. You know, these, there are four games left. Uh, after the game, Jim Mersey told the team to really just try and focus on finishing 10-6. and six. Duh. You want to win the Jim. last four games. Yeah. yeah. But um, we had planned on uh, winning only three of those four, Jim. Yeah. We didn't want to win all four. Um, you look at the schedules, and for the Titans, it is brutal down say, the stretch. Titans, don't they have the Texans a couple of times? Texans twice. Next week, the Titans play the Raiders. So that's going to. It's not a gimme. It's not a gimme. Earlier in the season, we thought a game against the Raiders was a gimme. Yeah. And I know that they did get clubbed pretty good this week, but it's not a gimme for those guys. And you know, John Gruden will have that unit coming back strong after getting embarrassed against a division rival. But either way, Titans and Raiders, they're going to beat up on one of those teams is going to lose a game right. in which they're in contention right. for the spot right. with the Colts. And then the Titans um, face the Texans. Then they play the Saints. And then the Texans again. So, you know, playing the Texans twice, those are two losses right there by either one of those teams that's going to help the Colts. So it'll be really interesting to see how that goes down the stretch. You look at the Raiders, their toughest game is the Titans, because after that they have the Jaguars, they have the Chargers, they have the Broncos. Those divisional games can always go either way. Right, but they're winnable. And both of them are on the road. Yeah, well, that makes a big difference too. Yeah, especially Denver. Um, so, so we'll see how those go. Uh, looking over at the Steelers, they have the Cardinals at Arizona next week. The week after, they play the Buffalo Bills. Okay, um, yeah. So that'll that'll be a tough one. I, I kind of favor the Bills in that. Then they play the Jets, who... You, you still Cincinnati know. Cincinnati got their first <laughs> yeah, win of the say, season. You just don't know what you're going to get from the Jets, Jets week to week. As soon as you think... You know, they're figuring out, oh, Darnold's had a few good games in a row. <laughs> and they go and they dissolved. lose the, the, the winless, no longer winless Cincinnati Bengals. Didn't even score a touchdown. <laughs> and then um, Steelers finished the season against the Ravens. And, you know, as long as the Patriots keep winning as well, the Ravens so they, will have to keep so playing. They, they might have to keep their guys in there uh, because that might be a... A game that week that determines, you know, the seeding. Yeah. You know, they might have to win it in order to, you know, if they both status quo through the rest of the season, they may have to have that game. Because you know they want that home field advantage. You right. don't want to have to go to You don't want to go to Foxborough. No. No. And then the Buffalo Bills, they play the Ravens next week. So that, that'll be a tough one for them. Um, then they play the Steelers. So that'll, you know, wild card versus mm -hmm. wild card. Then they play the Patriots. And then they finish with the Jets. So... All of the teams in the Colts' way have some difficult matchups coming up. So the Colts need help right now. They very well might get it, but they have to handle business. Um, the Colts' schedule down the stretch doesn't really get any easier. I'm pulling it up as we speak. They got the Buccaneers next week who just embarrassed Jacksonville. Yes. It's um, in Florida down in Tampa Bay. So... That'll be another interesting game. 
Uh, then they play in New Orleans against the Saints. Uh, then they're at home against the Panthers, who, you know, they just lost to the Washington Redskins, but they're not a pushover no, either. No, they've Christian been McCaffrey, real up and down, and if McCaffrey gets going, watch tough out. to stop, yeah. Um, and then the Colts finish at Jacksonville. So, you know, we'll just have to see. We've seen this team rally before, like last season when they went on a winning streak to make the playoffs, and it's never over with this coaching staff and this team that's been so resilient, but they're going to have to get a little lucky down the stretch here. Is that three or four on the road then for them to close out the year? It is, yeah. They got three games, um, two in Florida there, one down in Louisiana, and then the home game against the Panthers. So it's uh, it's a it's a tough it's a tall order um, yeah. for the Colts. But the only thing they can do is you know try to try to keep to their one and zero mantra and go out and try to win every week. Can't be worrying about New Orleans. You can't be worrying about Jacksonville or Carolina this week. You got to worry about Tampa Bay, and you got to go there and you got to win. And, yeah. Uh, I mean, even their playoff scenarios, if they win out, they need help. But as Joe just went through, mentioned when he went through kind of the playoff picture and, and where everybody stands, some of these teams are going to beat up on each other. So the Colts do have opportunities to pick up some games. It's just they've got to they've got to win out in order to to do it. Yeah, if the Colts can handle their business down the stretch, they still have the playoff chances. It, it's not quite time to start looking to the draft yet, Colts fans. We got a little <laughs> bit longer. We're getting there. A couple more losses and we're there. Yeah, one or two more L's, and it, uh, I'll I'll start looking up prospects. I guess when it comes uh, to the end of it here, you know, uh, they started out five and two, and we thought that maybe this team was better than we thought. Now they've had some injuries and such, but. Um, I guess when it comes down to it, they're just a 500 ball club that started off with on a good stretch, and then it caught up to them here at the 12 game point of this season. Yeah, it's very difficult because you always got to say what if because they've had so many injuries, and then the other giant glaring question mark is what is Jacoby Brissett? Yes, is he a franchise quarterback or is he one of those players who? He's a good backup, but he's not quite the guy you want to be your every game, season in, season out starter. And as the season goes along, I'm starting to think it's the latter. Unfortunately, I mean, I I haven't seen anything, I guess, since the Pittsburgh game where he got injured. Um, since then, he has not been very impressive. It's not all on him. I know there are a lot of people, oh, it's because they don't have a quarterback and they're terrible, and he's terrible. But it's not all on Jacoby Brissett's shoulders. On the other hand, a really, really good quarterback wins these types of games for you yeah i i hate to keep bringing it up but that's going to be the overlying theme of this season is what if andrew luck was here and if he was playing in this game you you definitely got to think that they beat tennessee because you think that they finish more of those drives and come away with points where they wouldn't have to try 50 plus yard field goals right. and uh, well I guess we'll stop living in hypotheticals here. And <laughs> well, and, and then, I mean, it couldn't have gone really any worse for the Colts yesterday. Not only did they lose to a divisional rival at home, but then your thought was, well, hey, if the Colts can pull this game out, then the Sunday night matchup's going to be really interesting between what happens with the Texans and the Patriots. And, I mean, I figured the Patriots are probably going to win that game because the Texans, I, I'm going to get roasted for saying this, but the Texans are the Texans. And they have never proved to me ever that they're not the Texans. But they did last night. They went out and they won that game. 
Yeah, Deshaun Watson down in his third season, r- really winning some of those bigger games, those those games where you show what you're made of. Um, he went 18 of 25 for 234 passing, which isn't overly impressive, but he had four touchdowns, three of them through the air, and then he actually caught one Say a receiving from touchdown, DeAndre right? Hopkins. Went down yeah. as a receiving touchdown. It's kind of an option play. Hopkins and Watson both rolling to the right. Hopkins just kind of flipped it to him before uh, he got tackled, and it by a small margin went forward, and Hopkins caught it. Um, I was upset. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Watson caught it. Yeah. I was upset I had Hopkins on my fantasy team. They, oh, they took a touchdown away from you. Well, they didn't originally call it a passing touchdown. They called it a lateral, which would have been a handoff. But then they went back and corrected it and gave Hopkins the passing touchdown, oh, okay, which okay. gave me the points. And you got the points for <laughs> yes. it. Okay. So I'm very happy about that. But um, enough about myself. <laughs> it's also interesting what's going on in Jacksonville solely because their quarterback situation. Nick Foles, their big money man, was benched after a terrible first half. Um, they were down 25 to nothing. Foles completing just half his passes, 7 for 14. 93 yards, an interception, and two lost fumbles. So Minshew Mania is back, baby. Um, Coach Doug Marone says that Minshew is named the starter today. Um, he says mobility and elusiveness that Minshew possesses, possesses excuse me, gives the Jaguars a better chance to win games. And with the way their offensive line is playing right now, you got to think you got to have that case. extra mobility. Yeah. So uh, I know, and we, we talked about it like in pre-show, but. We don't. I don't like to see anybody lose their job because of an injury or whatever. But when you're a Jacksonville Jaguars franchise that is kind of trending in the wrong direction, you may as well just go ahead and play the young guy and get him experience because that's going to be more invaluable for you down the line than letting Foles play. Because I don't think. I mean, did you get the impression that Foles is sort of a stopgap for them as a quarterback? Yeah, I think they kind of hoped he was a little more. They certainly paid him like he was. Yeah, a little they paid more him like that. he was more than that. Um, I mean, we've seen it again where Foles plays well in Philadelphia, goes somewhere else, and just struggles. He struggles. He's as good as the cast is around him, right? Um, and they're different players, but I kind of feel like it might be the same thing with Jacoby Brissett, where they're not the kind of players who can elevate the people around them. They're going to play up to how good the players are around them and let their playmakers make plays for them. Um, one last note I did want to make about the Colts and Tennessee game is Brissett certainly pushed the ball down the field in this mm-hmm. one. And they had some they had some actual like more than 20-yard plays. Yeah. And several of them. They had a handful of them, um, which we had not seen all season. And so that and that was very encouraging in that first half. But then those plays dried up. They really did. They went they away. Dri- they dried up, and there was a few where I mean, he would have a guy or they would attempt a long pass down the field and it just wouldn't be close. No. So at a certain point, you got to wonder, okay, is Brissett, you know, playing it too safe? Is he just checking it down? Or is he just not accurate on his deep throws? And that's a problem. Um, We'll find out over the coming weeks. We got four more games for the Colts to try and make the playoffs, four more games to evaluate Jacoby Brissett and try and figure out what he is um, going forward. But these are not throwaway games here. Whether the Colts make the playoffs or not, there are important ramifications from each contest in this 
team, this unit, this roster moving forward. And it, I mean, it, it's funny because I think things have turned here just in the general fan base in Indianapolis from, hey, this Jacoby Reset guy is not too bad. I think the Colts are going to be okay to the last few weeks where they've really struggled. And I, I think especially last week was just such an awful game um, that you know, in, in the passing game, people don't know what they've got a quarterback now and now it's up to the entire Colts personnel department organization to try to figure out do we really believe 100% in Jacoby Brissett or is it time to give somebody else some playing time is it time to bring in somebody else are we going to head to the draft what are the Colts going to do and unfortunately for Brissett and for the whole franchise that is going to be the dominating um conversation unless something dramatically changes this season maybe the Colts somehow eke into the playoffs and win a couple games or something like that um but I just don't know that this team is capable of doing that right now yeah there's just not enough offensive firepower and you do feel kind of bad because you know the Colts are five and two and everyone is singing Jacoby Brissett's Mm -hmm. praises singing who needs Andrew Luck you know, you fast forward a few weeks here and everyone's saying, Jacoby, where's Andrew Luck? <laughs> yeah, where's Andrew Luck? Jacoby Brissett sucks. Can we draft somebody? You know, how's Tua's hip doing? Um, it, it, you feel bad for Brissett because the public's opinion has swung so quickly. Oh, yes. But that's what happens when you go f- and From lose. From five and two to six and six. Yeah, yeah. When you lose games, that's going to happen to you. And it's not just one or two games. It's been several. Um so uh, I feel bad he's got to go through that. It's got to be difficult, but I also think it's fair criticism um, that he's experiencing there. So um, all we can do is you know finish out the season. We'll see how they do next week in Tampa Bay. We will uh, preview that game on Thursday. I will be joined by Mike Chapel and Dave Griffiths, so make sure you stick around for that. I'm sure uh, Chapel and Dave will have a lot to say about it as well. So, again, I am Joe Hopkins. You can follow me on Twitter at Roto Street Joe. With me is Matt Adams. He's on Twitter at Statomatty. You can follow the Colts Blue Zone for all your Colts information, tidbit, just about anything Colts. It's there at Colts Blue Zone on Twitter. So, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you Thursday.